You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pardon the theater people and welcome to your program is your ticket. Coming to you from the Hell's Kitchen area of Midtown Manhattan. Right in the middle of Broadway. My name is Sean Chandler and I'll be your host. Your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket. is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater and smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater and see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of My Husband and My Play at The Flash, I met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. Tonight's guest is dynamic festival producer and storyteller Asher Novak, whose Speak Up, Rise Up festival is happening this month starting August 14th. So cool. I'll be bringing Asher on in just a few minutes uh, to tell us more about that and, and, and a, lot of, a lot of other things. But before I do, I'd like to divulge to you, my audience, a lesson learned by yours truly. That would be me. Okay, so a few shows ago, I interviewed my pal Adam Wolf. Uh, it's show 19, and he is the pit drummer percussionist for Bandstand here on Broadway. And um, I just want to make that differentiation because in the show there's an actual drummer who is on stage as a um, as a character, and he plays drums as well. But um, Adam is in the pit, and he's, he's down there uh, playing the drums and um, percussion as well. So anyways, Adam has played in many, many shows, including, among others, Cats and Evita. And if you want to hear all the other shows he's played, then please listen to... Uh, listen to that episode. But I bring up those two shows because he mentioned them as specific examples of different styles of music and uh, require the same skill sets but different approaches. And I remember telling him that I, I recall the percussion in Evita being very Argentinian and tango-esque but could remember the percussion at all in Cats. So I went to see Cats. Cats is playing out here in New York. It's a revival and it's actually really, really good. I like the show. Um, and I've seen it twice, but this time I sat in the very, very back row and mostly listened to the music. And here's what I learned. Um, I learned that specific parts, components of music can be utilized as a propulsion of the narrative. Um, and in, in Kat's case, the percussion is used to create and drive danger and suspense. It's... it's um, I just noticed that whenever a, a, a character that was sort of um, a nemesis-type character was on stage, the percussion was really driving that. And also, um, at, at times, when uh, when the cats were uh, kind of like not being very nice to Grizzle, okay, I'm giving way too much away about cats in case, you know, you're one of the three people who haven't seen it. But um, I, I listened and I was like, that's really cool. I can, I can actually hear the difference in that. Um, in Evita, the percussion seems to be creating the setting. We're in Argentina, and um, so it, at least in the production that I saw, the, the sets were not completely revealing uh, of that, but it, it puts us in the setting of where we are geographically. Now, in Kat's case, um, the setting is pretty much right there and needs no definition, and you're usually sitting in it. So the percussive music is utilized in a different way, like I said, to create suspense. So um, it, it was really, really cool to be inadvertently awakened of this by Adam to something that I've truly taken for granted, because I'm just listening to the music and letting it have the effect on me. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that my um, my musical writing partner, because I do write musicals, but I write book, 
um, he, he refers to something as what I call, or what he calls, um, word pictures. And it really means that the music is describing words that are happening in your head. I know that seems weird, but like, for instance, we have a song in our musical running where a father who is in a hospital bed is singing to his um, uh, daughter who has a, a leg disability and uh, he's singing a song called The Butterfly. It's beautiful. It's sung by Ryan Lanning in Chicago. And um, in, at one point, like, it's like, like you can like actually hear and see the butterflies as he's written this music. So he calls it, you know, um, uh, music picture. So anyways, there we go. So I figured, you know, just, just so you know, I'm always interviewing people and uh, I've seen a lot of shows and I learned something. So there we go. There's your lesson of the day through me. So anyways, now I'd like to bring on our guests. So please welcome everyone, theatrical powerhouse, Asher Novak. Hi, Asher, and welcome to your program is your ticket. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, be on the show. I know you're a very, very busy man. I mean, I've just seen everything that you do. Just it's uh, you're you're everywhere. It's 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 great. So why don't you tell us about yourself and your creative passion? So uh, <clears throat> I um, I grew up around a lot of theater. My uh, I grew up outside of D.C. and my parents, who grew up in New York, uh, we we would come up to New York and see Broadway shows all the time. We saw any sort of community theater. I was in. Uh, my music, uh, my middle school, I think it was a comedy troupe. I'm not, I don't remember exactly what it was. And then high school theater, um, uh, worked around a lot of TV and, uh, screenwriting and film right out of undergrad, uh, then started moving into community organizing and politics, which is its own sort of story on my part. Um, uh, and have been uh, producing different events and working in different community groups uh, in, in a bunch of different settings for the last few years. And about four or five years ago, I started getting into uh, stand-up comedy where I was performing instead of just writing jokes and writing scripts. Um, and then started finding this sort of subsection of comedy, which was labeled as storytelling. Mm. And... Uh, over the last three or four years, um, I think I think I've grown in in this storytelling universe. I think the world of storytelling is starting to differentiate itself and really define itself in some really interesting ways. Um, uh, and uh, also because it, it sort of applies to anything. Uh-huh. I remember I, I was talking to someone a while ago when I was working on my first uh, solo show of. of written and performed three uh, storytelling solo shows in the last few years, and I was telling someone about it, and, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's part of this sort of new thing called storytelling, and she looked at me and she was like, hasn't storytelling been around since, like, the dawn of mankind? Like, isn't everything at some point? <laughs> sure. Um, but there's something, there's something about, uh, when I talk about storytelling, I talk about uh, the very personal... Uh, someone telling their own personal story and and from first person perspective and not not sort of in that one person show where you play different characters you just play yourself you put yourself out there you become more vulnerable in whatever the setting is mm-hmm. um, and I've been working I, I've been producing a storytelling show in Brooklyn for the last uh, just over three years now uh, performed on different shows I was just on risk um, I've worked with the Moth on some of their community workshops, and uh, I've really started to find that there's something kind of great when you uh, can give people this tool of storytelling, and uh, you can show them that it's not as sort of scary as something as stand-up comedy. Mm. You know, you, you, you sort of have this image in your head of like, oh, if I get up there on a stage or if I get in front of a microphone, then I have to deliver right. jokes or I have to be the best improviser or the best this. Um, and you don't have to do that in storytelling. And and when people see that, when they sort of realize that their story is valid, um, it's kind of amazing to see. And so that was that was sort of the nexus for, for putting together this festival. Um, and that's uh, Speak Up, Rise Up, right? right. Okay. Um, sort of built it on two principles. The first being 
the the idea that there are communities and there are people and stories that we don't get to hear from. Sure. Um, and wanted to provide a space specifically for that, for um, for different community groups and for different uh, for different kinds of stories. And and I leave that I left it pretty open. So in in the there are twenty five shows over the week. Um, you know, there are some that are very specifically about racial diversity, about sexual diversity, about gender diversity. And there's also a show in there about a woman who joined and then left a cult, wow. which is a story I've never really heard before. Mm. So um, there's there's a really interesting diversity of the, the kinds of stories and the kinds of people and, and throughout the whole week. Um, and the, the other really strong principle that, that uh, I, I wanted to build this festival around was it being in a, in a theater. Right. Um, is being held at the at the Connolly Theater, which is an off-Broadway theater, and it was really important to me that we literally elevate people's stories. Um, you know, in, in in a lot of the community organizing work that I do, and and mostly in storytelling shows, and for the most part in a lot of comedy shows, there the venue are the venues are very small. Right. Um, there are backs of bars, there are church basements, there are rec centers. Coffee houses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's there's definitely something to be said about the intimacy created in when you're talking about a personal story and you're able to physically be a foot away from the people in front of you. Um, but I think there's something interesting that's going to happen putting that on a big stage. The Connolly has a beautiful big proscenium stage. The, the house itself is not that deep, so you can still, from a performer point of view... You, you, you have the ability to really, I think, emotionally connect with your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the challenge and charge that I put to all of the artists was not just tell me an interesting story, but use the theatrical space somehow. So huh. there's there's people using lighting in different ways and music in different ways. We're doing some of those shows are using projection in hopefully interesting ways. We, we still have to technically figure out some things. Um, sure. You will. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah, it'll all come together. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, and, and I think, and this is this is something, um, that piece of it is uh, something that's still experimental to me, uh-huh. and, and I want it, I want to keep it that way. Um, for the, you know, this is, this is a first year festival, I'm self-producing the whole thing, um, and I remember talking to uh, one of the, one of the theatrical partners is The Tank. Uh, the Tank New York, which is an, a, a small black box theater that puts on some really amazing programming, and they they've been helping me shape a lot of the theatrical side of this. Nice. Um, and I was I remember talking to to their executive director, and you know she sort of asked like, you know, what do you th- what what do you think is going to happen when you put storytelling on a stage and you you give it this ability to have lighting and sound and all these these different theatrical elements and I said I honestly don't know like I, I this is definitely this is definitely a piece of it that I don't know if it's going to work in the sense of like I don't know what it's going to accomplish I don't know what it's going to add necessarily to the audience's uh, um, taking in of the stories but I know it's going to make it different somehow and we'll see I don't know if it's better or worse I don't know if it's going to make emotional moments harder to land, easier to connect to, uh, if it's going to make interacting with the audience um, easier, more difficult, more interesting. I mean, I think it's it's going to be different than uh, what, what if you were going to see a storytelling show, it's going to be different than that. Um, I just don't know what that's going to do necessarily. So. Huh. There's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns in producing anyway. That's sure, absolutely. Producing. Yeah. Um, but there, that is a big one for me, and and uh, something I'm excited to see uh, how the different shows and, and the different performers sort of take how that takes shape. Well, it's it's often a risk when you're creating uh, 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 different types of theater and you sort of figure it out as you go along, but it sounds like you have the experience to be able to, you know, hone the decisions uh, artistically so that they'll be complementary to, to the pieces that you're presenting. Um, I had a question. It says here uh, that you offer community workshops to various community groups and, um, then you showcase their final shows as part of 
the festival, and you were talking about that a little bit. Are are some of these groups and people that you're working with are they not necessarily theater artists? And if they're not, is there also the work of making them comfortable on stage? Yeah. So uh, there are so of the twenty five total performances, that seven of them are community showcases. Right. And uh, so there are seven community partners. Uh, Lady Parts Justice League, Planned Parenthood, New York City Veterans Alliance, Muslim Community Network, uh, Theater of the Oppressed, The Futures Project, and uh, Razum, which is a Ukrainian human rights group. And so mm. these are seven different uh, community organizations that focus on different issues. So women's rights, reproductive rights, veterans' rights, immigrant rights, um, all sorts of different things. And... They, they cover the quote-unquote non-traditional performer side of the festival ah. um, for the most part. So some of them, like Lady Perch Justice League, they are a comedy they are a comedy slash activism troupe. They're comfortable performing. They just got back from a tour. They're going to be talking about some of the, the tour itself. Um, they're going to have some people who are not traditional performers, like maybe medical practitioners, people from their staff talking about the issues. Um, and then on the other side of things, there'll be, and, you know, Theater of the Oppressed has been working with high school students from the Bronx, working on a, a piece about growing up in public housing. Wow. So they're, they're some of, so some of the groups that are a little more theatrical minded are working on, uh, developing pieces themselves. Uh-huh. And with some of the other groups, uh, we've been working, um, with, with uh, some of their membership and constituencies on personal storytelling. So uh, we've been running, so we, there are a couple of volunteer uh, storytelling coaches who have been helping. Um, and we've been essentially leading a workshop, which is help, uh, you know, help you tell a, a story. And uh, it's, it's open enough in the sense that, uh, so, for example, like the, the Veterans Alliance, uh, which is a, a veterans group here in New York City, mm-hmm. um, all of their stories... So one of the important things is that the stories the, that the people are telling um, aren't prescripted. So they're not all necessarily stories about being a veteran, but they're all, they're all stories from their own lives, and sort of the theme of them being connected through this thing of being veterans and fighting for, for different rights um, will be there without us having to say, without uh, having to say over and over again, this is this person, you know, this person is a veteran, this person is a veteran. And really getting to this point of being able to connect people through different, uh, so, sort of through different threads. Um, in the same sort of way, the uh, Ukrainian human rights group we've been working with um, not all their stories are about Ukraine. Some of them are about Ukraine, but some of them are just about finding your identity as a person in New York City. Um, Interesting. And, and, and I think that's part of what, um, when I talk about people finding their own valid stories through storytelling, um, you know, people think that their identity has to be one way or another or something. Right. And... What I like, one of the things that, that storytelling does and, and becomes really powerful is when you don't have to say that. You can just be who you are and tell a story about, you know, a time you lost your shoe on the subway and it doesn't have to be about how you're, you're an immigrant, but, you know, that, that's still part of who you are. Um, and so, so uh, each of those showcases... Um, is going to be crafted in different ways that fit the, um, the culture of the groups, uh, um, highlighted. So the veterans, uh, showcase is going to functionally look different than the Planned Parenthood showcase. Um, the number of people is going to be different. The length of the stories is going to be different. The themes of the stories are all going to be different. Um, and those, those themes and how those shows come together are, have been happening through those workshops. Um, so they've been happening in a very organic way. Oh, cool. Now, that's really, really smart because 
with social media and around-the-clock news. We see these types of stories all the time. And it sounds like what you want to uh, accomplish, or one of the things you want to accomplish, maybe surprising people at, um, at the common threads that we have, at, at, at the mundane moments throughout the day. And uh, that's, I think that's terrific. Um, you know, as Sondheim says, the, the devil is in the details. And we, 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 we really need that. We really need to see those little teeny tiny moments of connection. Yeah. So that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, not that you need my approval on anything, but I'm glad that you're doing that kind of deep yeah. work to say, how are, we, how are we common? Tell us about something other than being on the battlefield. Right. Or, you know, um, holding a sign in a picket line. Yeah. That's, and, that's and, cool. And that's always something that I stress in storytelling and, and workshops and, and in general that, you know, your story doesn't have to be you know, the time you scaled Everest and came down and lost a leg. Like, it doesn't have to be the most harrowing, incredible story in the world. Those stories exist, and they're wonderful. But there, I have a good friend, and he has an amazing story. And the only thing that technically happens in the story is he walks to a deli, and he buys a loaf of bread, and he buys some meat. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But it's an amazing story when he tells it because he's not talking about the bread. He's talking about his, this moment in his life when he was really down and what the bread meant to him and where he was emotionally. And it brings you in and it makes you realize that, right, like we all have these little moments. Um, you know, uh, you, you could tell the most interesting story about tying your shoe. The events of the story aren't necessarily the important things. Right. Um, and I think that's where the deeper work in storytelling starts to come out is when you you start surfacing well what was what was actually going on with me in the, in that moment how did that connect to something else how did i grow how did i not grow um, and the more vulnerable you can be in sharing those moments the more it's going to resonate with everybody sounds like a lot of uh, focus on point of view in the moment so that's i i think that's Really, really cool. I can't wait to, to see some of these. Um, now, I have up, up here uh, the lineup of the festival, and I've noticed that there are three different types of shows. There's a solo show, a storytelling show, and a live podcast. Yeah. Can you explain the difference of those three? Yeah, please. So, um, we, have, so we have a bunch of different solo shows, which are primarily... Uh, um, about 45 minutes to an hour solo pieces by different performers. Mm -hmm. um, and they're telling uh, either stories about, I mean, they're all, so they're all personal stories. Some are of like very long, big journeys. Some are very introspective questions. So if you're Eisenberg's show, it's a new show, so I don't know everything that it's about. Um, but it's about how she's grown up with scars, literal physical scars and emotional scars and um, what it's been like living with those and body image issues and, and images of self and confidence and all of that. Um, Gaston Almonte has a solo show about what it was like to grow up in East New York because um, mm. he has a bunch of crazy stories about what it was like growing up in East New York. Um, there are a couple podcasts coming in uh, and being recorded. Shannon Kaysen is doing a live show for his, uh, his podcast, Homemade Stories, where he, he tells very earnest, very authentic, personal stories about his life, uh, being, being a father, being a husband. Um, I just, I love his vibe. I love hearing him talk. It's, it was, it's really funny because I've listened to the podcast for a while and I've obviously gotten to know him, uh, having him come out for the festival. And the first time I talked to him on the phone, you know, he just started talking. He said, hey, it's Shannon. And I was like, oh, wait, like you're actually on the other line. I'm not just listening to you. I'm just used to listening to right. him talk. Sure. Or just listening to his voice. Um, 
and the uh, the Slate podcast represent with Aisha Harris is going to have a panel discussion. Um, she has one of my favorite current podcasts where they talk about all sorts of pop culture and current events through racial justice, LGBT justice lenses with different people from entertainment industry um, and and from from um, journalism and and different culture areas. Um, bringing in perspectives on things that we don't normally think about. Right. Um, and so that's the, the pan, that, that panel discussion will be, I think really wonderful. And then the storytelling shows are curated shows. Um, and so there's different producers coming in that have put together lineups around different themes. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Allison from risk and the story studio uh, has been producing uh, a night that that highlights specifically diversity and, and feelings of being different. Uh, Don Frazier is uh, producing a show with immigrants telling their stories about immigrating to the U.S. Uh, Nissa Greenberg is curating a show with uh, formerly incarcerated inmates talking about the prison system. Wow. Um, and so those, those shows range... Um, those are much more built around specific themes mm-hmm. um, of, of themes of love, themes of different, themes of diversity. Um, uh, some of them are more comedic, some of them are more serious, uh, but those are all uh, different curated shows. There'll be a bunch of different stories that we'll hear through those. Now, are there, are the, are the shows all done by just one individual or do are there groups of people and or couples or trios that are doing uh, uh, various shows? Um, so each each show is primarily run by one person. So the like the, the curated shows are produced by one person, um, and obviously have like a lineup of four or five or six different people. I see. Okay. Um, there are a couple people that are going to be a part of the festival a couple different nights. Um, mm. You know, so there, so within a couple of the curated shows, there are a couple repeats. Um, there's also a good friend of mine who's also been an advisor on the festival and and uh, and just been a good friend the last few years, uh, David Crab, who uh, is opening. He's opening one night before a solo show, and then he's on one of the curated shows. Um, uh, another good friend of mine, Sandy Marks, is on a, two of the different curated shows, but for the most part. Uh, it they're all they're all into they're all the they're all different people on each show so um, there will be some shows will have one performer on stage giving their sh- their story and then other shows will have a few different performers on right. stage giving their story right okay cool that sounds like um, a great variety yeah and that's that's very very cool um, now with all of this going on, what do you consider to be your forte, your specialty? Is it storytelling? Is it producing these shows? Is it acting? Is it writing? Tell me about that. It's a good question. Um, Thank you. I think. I mean, I think. I think my my honest forte is um, is keeping things together and not falling apart. Um, uh, good for uh, a producer. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think. Uh, I t- a good friend of mine uh, who's actually in he's performing in this he's also a producer we, we uh, produced a bunch of stuff together for the last several years we always talk about you know we use the word producing a lot and it doesn't it means everything and it means nothing oh right? totally yeah you know yeah, absolutely you can, you can just say oh I'm a producer like oh cool I don't know at all what that means sometimes it's money sometimes it's management you just yeah exactly yeah. and um, a, a friend of mine, a friend of mine who is, I've uh, also been talking to this about for a while. Um, she she always says that my within producing my forte is building a good team. Oh, good. Um, and that's you know I I, I, I uh, created this festival on my own from the ground up, but there's obviously no way that I am doing this totally alone. There's Oh yeah, you know there there's a bunch of different theatrical partners that have been helping a lot of advisors helping, um, obviously a great theater crew that we've been putting together, running the sound and lights and front of house and stage managing all of the different parts of it, um, people helping on the workshops, people that helped me curate 
the, the, the actual week. I didn't, you know, a, a few friends sit down who are also producers to actually look over what the week would be. People helping on uh, advisement on which community groups could work. You know, I knew a bunch of them. Some of them I didn't know. So, you know, I, I, I sort of work and live in this world as a hub between different people in different communities, um, which makes work interesting and, and <laughs> strange a lot of times because, you know, I, I haven't had a, a quote-unquote real job in uh, probably close to five years. Um, wow. But it, it, it just means that I know so many people, um, and that's, that's a lot of what this festival is, is bringing together sort of as many of the different worlds as I've been able to, to touch and work with um, into sort of a shared space. That's great. You must get like maybe four hours of sleep a night. At most, yeah. At most, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I can handle that. You, by, at my age, at 9 o'clock, I'm usually in bed flipping channels, but good for you. That's, that's amazing. Um, are there any particular messages um, and or themes that speak strongly to you in the projects you've selected for the festival or things that you work on yourself? I think... I mean, I think I think I touched on it, but I think it really is the the theme of sharing things that you wouldn't have thought you were going to share. Mm. Um, you know, the the I think I mentioned before the the podcast Risk, which is one of my favorite storytelling shows, and their 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 quote unquote theme is sharing stories that you never thought you would share. Um, and, and they come at it from, from a lot of different angles. And, and what, I, what I love about what we're doing with this festival is providing a space for, for even for someone like Ophira Eisenberg, who is a seasoned performer. She's a wonderful storyteller. Um, she's doing a new show. So there's an amount of fear and um, vulnerability that she's going to have doing new, not, not just new material, uh, because it's new material, but it's also exposing a part of her life that people don't know about. That's a lot of intimacy going on there. And, and that's, that's what I love about storytelling. Um, and it happens, it happens at these really wonderful moments in shows. And, you know, I, I I go, I, I go to see a storytelling show probably at least once a week. Mm -hmm. And you see these moments when someone gets up on, uh, in front of a microphone and they start telling their story and, you know, the 30, 40 people that are in the bar, the coffee shop are are totally engrossed. Everyone is there. They're sharing something that is totally intimate. Um, and I'm really excited to see that, Elevated and to see sort of this idea of sharing personal stories elevated. Um, it, it feels like there's almost like a psychology or a therapy kind of situation going on to get someone to go to that sort of deep place. There's a lot of people who would, they would be walled. They would be very, very guarded. Yeah. How, how do you get them to break through? So it's, it's interesting and sort of there, there is a, there is a very interesting line between storytelling and therapy, um, because you do also have to be cognizant that you're performing. Mm -hmm. You're still in front. You're not, you're not at a therapist's office. You're not sitting at a bar with your friend. Right. You are in front of people to perform and entertain them. The entertainment doesn't have to be funny. But you, you are there to tell a story. So there's a line that you, and it's tough to get to, to sort of become engrossed and emotional in your moment and not break down. Um, when, so when I'm working with uh, people in workshops and when working in some of these workshops, um, it's a matter of what you were talking about before, of perspective, mm-hmm. of of remembering something and telling something from your side and your perspective. And one of the things that I, that I always like to tell people is that if you, if you're telling me something that is wholly from your point of view, no one can argue with it. 
you know, in, in terms of I, uh, if I said I went to this place and every, I, I went to a dance club and I hated everyone there cause they were all jerks cause they were all drunk and dancing and I didn't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. Then I come off as judgmental. I come off as maybe high roading people. But if I say, well, I went into this, I went into this bar and I felt totally out of place because I really wanted to meet someone and talk to them about uh, X, Y, or Z. And when I got there, they were already drunk and someone spilled a drink on me. And if you, if you recount just your emotional arc through something, right. then it's very hard to uh, argue with. And when people start, and, and, and it's tough to make that, uh, to, to, to make that jump, right? Because we're used to telling stories about just the things that happened, not necessarily what I was feeling behind those things. And Gen- generalities, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. I, I, went, I went to this restaurant and the food was gross. Right. Something like that as opposed to, to being specific. Right. Um, you know, and I got there and I, it, I tasted the food and it reminded me of this, which made me think, think about that. And when I, you know, I was really upset because earlier in the day this had happened, right? So you're, you're, you're inserting yourself into it. And you don't, I mean, one of the other things that, um, I always tell people is you don't have to be the good person. You don't have to be the good guy in your story. Right. You're not necessarily the hero. Um, and audiences appreciate that, you know, as long as, as long as you don't start off a story by, you know, this one time I was drowning a bunch of kittens, right? Like you're going to lose your audience there. I was going to no say no matter what there, um, there, there, there are lines, there are lines that, that shouldn't be crossed. Right. 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 Okay. Um, it's, it's mostly a matter of, and there's, and I, I, I talked to, you know, I have a good friend of mine and he, he tells really great stories about, um, times that he messes up, that he's, that he's a jackass, that he did something ridiculous um, and he is the bad guy in the stories, but he's cognizant of that. And sure. there are times when he, t- and, and he generally learns something through them. It's not like he started off as a bad guy and ended up as a worse person. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. Like I, that happened eight years ago. Now I'm not as much of a terrible person, but I'm able to look at that and laugh at myself with you. Right. right? Sort of giving the audience permission to laugh at this person and make fun of this person. Cause I'm doing it too. I also recognize that me 10 years ago was an idiot. Yeah. There are definitely times that I've seen that just not work. Uh-huh. The audience just loses him right off the bat. Like, Oh, you did that. I, I automatically don't like you. Wow. And that happens. Yeah. You sure. Know? Um, because when, whenever you're telling a story, everyone in the audience is experiencing their own story. Mm. Um, and Interesting. they're, they're bringing in, they're, they're listening to your story, and if you're doing it right, and if you are telling it wholly from your perspective, I'm following along with you, but I'm still looking at it from my perspective, right? So right. my emotional understanding of what your story is is going to be different than the person sitting next to me. So uh, audience reactions is always a lot of fun to watch all, uh, through through a lot of these stories too, because and necessary, no, yeah, and necessary, totally. I'm sure that when one of your performers is up there, you're probably really gauging the audience, like, have they crossed a line here? And with after doing it for three years and probably working on it even before that, you, I'm sure, have an acute awareness of when it's occurring. When yeah. you're like, ah, they're getting skeeved or. What have you? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, overall, like um, just with, with theater in general, um, here in New York, around the United States, around the world, what do you think is an important direction that theater is taking right now? That's a really good question. Um, I think I think and hope that we're making theater more accessible. I think that the more uh, that we can highlight smaller productions of things off-off-Broadway, the more that we can highlight how a stage can be kind of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can repurpose uh, like, like Sleep No More and, and some other uh, sort of site-specific things. Um, I, think there's, I think there's a production of something going on in, in an old abandoned hospital um, 
Yeah, creepy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But um, but cool if you like that kind of thing. Right, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> right, sure. Um, <laughs> but I think I think that's something I mean I, I don't so I've never done this or produced anything outside of New York. Uh-huh. And in New York we obviously have a, a space issue, so we have to be cognizant of our physical space. Um, and I've seen really cool and amazing things done utilizing different spaces, mm-hmm. right? So understanding that you can you can put theater into any sort of physical space. It doesn't have to be in a Broadway proscenium stage. Sure. Um, and I think that, that that presents some really interesting challenges artistically, so you're not just doing the same thing that you wrote in one place and then to another place, but actually thinking about the, what is, how is the story different if you're in this different physical space Mm. and how can you change that to fit, you know, uh, where we are. Um, that's a thinking director right there. That really is. That's, that's a director who's going, okay, it was this way in this space. And then it's, it's got a completely different feel over here. How do I go with that? Yeah. Or counter it if I need to. Right. And I and I think and I think that the more we can do that, the more the more people are going to be interested and involved in in theater. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you can when you can bring something, and this kind of gets to a community organizing principle that I learned a long time ago. But it's not it's not just a matter of inviting people to come to your thing; it's bringing your thing to people, right? Um, Which often is something that needs to be done, right? To, to get exposure in general, absolutely, right? You got to travel with it, sure. Yeah, and so I think I think to the extent that we can bring at whatever scale theater to different places and different communities, mm-hmm. that uh, I mean, we embrace it every time. To, no matter how you define theater, if theater is a person standing in front of another person reciting a monologue or a fully produced show. Um, people are interested in, in sharing their own experiences, whether it's personal storytelling or in any other form. Sure. Um, you know, and, and I think to the extent that we're finding we can make things more open to, uh, to, to new people, um, the better we're going to find the whole community. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wow. Um... What is your favorite part about being involved with smaller productions? I, I mean, I, I really like when you can know everyone who's involved in something. Um, I'm, I'm personally not very good with names. Uh, uh, I, so I, I used to work, well, I, used to, I, I still work in, in and around politics, but when I was uh, working much more closely in politics, you meet, I mean, I meet a lot of people and I, uh, am not good at remembering people's names. I will remember everything about our interaction. I'll remember everything about what we talked about five years ago, but I probably have forgotten your name immediately. Um, I like working on productions where, uh, you get to actually know everyone around you and not just sort of like, here's, oh, what, 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 what role are you? instead of actually getting to know everyone. So I, you know, I, 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 I know everyone, obviously I know everyone who's involved in the festival, but I actually know them a little more than just sort of like this person that is hired to do this job. Right. Um, there's, there's, you can, you can find a little more purpose in, you know, this person is here because of this reason. This person is here because of this reason. They're bringing in their own perspective on this. They're interested in it as well. Like it, they're not just a hired gun. Um, you know, when I've worked on bigger feature films or TV shows, people come in just to do a job, which is fine. Um, but you don't get to know that. You know, that person is in and out of your life and you never see them again. Sure. Um, you know, the, the, the crew and the, and the artists and performers that are part of this festival are now, you know, a part of my life in a deeper way than just someone who I booked on a show and will never see again. Um you know, and that's something that you can't do if there are five thousand people a part of oh, right. a production. <laughs> um, 
you can do that in, in smaller in, uh, in a smaller crew. That is a very very popular answer. By the way, people like that they they know everybody, they know what they're doing. Um, so just just thought I'd throw that out there. That's that, nice. that you know, good to know. Yeah, it, and it and and honestly, with uh, it's very popular with people who are uh, like producers, directors, people who are sort of in a, a more managerial type of position or leadership position within the production or productions or or, or whatever it is they're doing. Um, what should every theatrical artist, producer, writer, actor? be doing right now to be relevant and successful in the industry, in your opinion? I think... I think I think everyone has to be aware... I think we have to be aware of the impact that we... that, that doing anything has these days. And part of that is social media and, and how anything can spread. And part of that is living in a post-election world or post-this-election right. world of knowing that, knowing that what we can do can influence people and affect people anywhere. Right. And I think... So a big, a big issue that we look at in the community organizing world is breaking out of your bubble, right? Of, of we're in New York City, we're in a very liberal part of the world. Indeed, um, yes. Most of everyone on my Facebook feed is, is sharing the same articles. Um, but there's a whole, there's a huge world out there with vastly a uh, huge range of opinions and feelings about things. And just because they're outside of your bubble doesn't mean they're bad or wrong. And I think that anyone who's entering into any sort of artistic space where you're you're putting your voice or someone else's voice, you're putting a voice into the world, um, you need to be aware that you're entering into this giant ether, not just in your own bubble, right? Like if you if you're if you make a short film or a music video, you're gonna share it amongst your friends, but it exists in the world where there are people that don't like it. Um, that's right. And, and, and I don't, and I think that that's important to, to realize when you're thinking about what it is, what's, what's the point of this, right? What's the message I want to get across? What's the emotion that I want my audience to get? Um, do I want to reach a broader audience? Do I want, what, what would someone from the middle of Alabama feel about this performance? I think these are things that are important to think about. Hmm. Um, because I don't think that we want to just be creating art just for our own inner circle of friends. I don't think, to me, that's never the point of creating any sort of art, any any, any writing piece, any joke, any whatever that I've ever made. I don't, I don't make it just for me and my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I think that there there needs to be some sort of uh, uh, acknowledgement that. When you, that you want to put something out there for uh, someone who I don't know to come and experience. I mean, that's that's an exciting part of this festival for me, um, and of of any sort of, of producing any sort of live show because I don't know who's going to come at any given night. You know, my monthly show in Brooklyn for the first few months, the, everyone who came was just my friends, right? Because I told them, please come to my show. Sure. Um, and they better. And they had to. Right. <laughs> now, three and a half years later, <laughs> right. I don't tell them to come because, like, people kind of know about it. Random people show up. And my favorite my favorite shows are when people who I don't know are in the audience. I don't know where they came from. I, they, they're not there for one of the other performers. Maybe they just came in off the street. Maybe they read about it on something. I have no idea. But they came in, they experienced it, and they left. Um, you know, and that's, that's... And they were still a part of this thing that I helped create. Um, you know, and I, and, and that's, that's exciting to me. And I think that, that that's, uh, it's exciting for this festival because there's obviously going to be a lot of people who I don't know who are coming, hopefully. Um, if it's just my circle of friends, then this will not be a successful <laughs> festival. <laughs> um, 
I'm sure it's going to do very well. Well, we can all hope. Right. Um, so it's like like taking off the blinders. Yeah. Take off the blinders and, and realize that there is a, a big world with lots of points of view. And not, not necessarily political, but there are yeah. factions of the population, not just in the United States, but all around the world who care about different things. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, it's we we do live and work in a bubble here in New York City, and, and I, I think that's a, a sensational answer. Now, besides the festival, is there anything else that uh, you're working on that's new that you'd like to talk about? Yeah. Um, so Because uh, you have all the time in the I, world, right? I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a podcast that I've been uh, co-hosting and co-producing with my friend Julia Whitehouse. Uh, it's uh, it's called The Whole Story. It looks at storytelling and a lot of the things that, I, that I've been talking about from kind of a back analytical perspective. Um, and we talk about the medium of storytelling. We talk about the form of storytelling. We talk to different people about their entryway into it, what it means to them. Um, really looking at sort of that nitty gritty of what we what we mean when we say personal storytelling. Um, we yeah the second season of that is being released now. Um, I think I just uh, I think I just uh, put up another episode this morning, um, uh, and yeah that's on iTunes. It's called the whole story. Um, uh, beyond I mean beyond that there's uh, it's so I've been I've been working in local organizing and local politics for the last eight years. And it's been very exciting to me seeing this surge of resistance since the election in the last uh, seven or eight months. And I mean, I guess I guess I, I would just encourage anyone to find, I mean, my piece of advice to everyone is always just find a thing that you care about and then just get involved in that thing. Right. If you care about women's rights, or you care about environmental rights, or you care about racial justice. There's there are groups that have been working on everything that you've ever thought about mm-hmm. um, for dozens of years. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, not that no one is special, but like if if you are if you are upset about something, then I guarantee you there is a legitimate organization that is already working on that thing. Oh, well. And, if not many, many exactly. Right. <laughs> and so find like find that thing, find that group of people, and they will plug you in. Um, and I've there's there's just been a huge groundswell of local uh, political um, organizing that I've been kind of thrust into. Uh, I was a, I was a, a leading a meeting a few months ago and. It's, it's this really amazing group out of Brooklyn, and it's we're, we're coming out of this meeting where there are like 200 people that showed up on a Saturday afternoon talking about, you know, the, the construction of the, the city council, and we were talking about districts and, like, stuff that is so in the weeds, and um, and everyone was engaged and, like, super into it, and everyone, they, it's just been this, this amazing surge of self-organizing. And a friend of mine after that meeting came up to me and he was like, it's, he was like, I'm just really impressed with how much you've taken the bull by the horns on this and really helped and, and organized this group. And I, and I said, I honestly don't feel like I've taken the bull by the horns. It feels a lot more like the bull has impaled me <laughs> and it's just easier at this point just to, just to ride it out. Right. Um, stay on the horn. Yeah. Keep otherwise going. just keep going right. and, and. Just keep uh, everyone supported because it's uh, it's it's really really cool to see um, and to be a part of from my perspective, which is again sort of in this hub area of just making sure that everyone stays connected to each other, is aware of all of the institutional sort of knowledge that I have from working in city government for the last eight years, um, and and trying to keep everything kind of focused. But it's it's just been really cool to be a part of. Well, I think that people, they either have leadership qualities or they don't. And I know that I mean, you can learn leadership qualities, but there are natural leaders who just, when something's wrong or something's going on and it needs to be organized, they just automatically step up. I'm pretty sure that I'm talking about you. I know I'm talking about my, myself or <laughs> yeah. maybe a, a little bit more when I was uh, when I was younger and I had more energy. <laughs> Now, 
I want to bring up something that I saw that kind of dovetails a little bit into activism. Um, you, at one point, had a blog, didn't you? Yes. And it was in honor of... Uh, of well, why don't you just talk about it? So, I love this. I love this, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm really... Uh, uh, I'm happy that you found it, because I haven't thought about this in a long time. Um, You're welcome. I, <laughs> so, uh, for many, many years... So, a while ago... Um, I became incredibly enamored with actress Olivia Wilde. Um, Gorgeous lady. One, yeah, and and she's also been an activist for a long time, um, and you know it, it's obvious it was obviously a, a celebrity crush, um, but also I you know when I was whenever I started I was nineteen or twenty and, and young and impressionable and I was like well no but we care about the same things too like we would actually get along <laughs> and I. Uh, <laughs> Instead of, instead of, so what I thought would be fun and what I wanted to try and uh, balance this line uh, between being cute and being weird um, was write, I wanted to write a series of letters to Olivia uh, that in hopes one day she would find to then realize that I was meant to be the man of her dreams. Uh, so I made this blog called Letters to Olivia Wilde where I just wrote letters to her every now and then talking about, it wasn't necessarily things about me, but it was stuff that we might have in common and stuff that we were both interested in. Um, and it, 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 I, I don't remember how long, maybe a couple years. I, I did stop putting it together. I did stop using it and writing and updating it when she started dating uh, Jason Sudeikis, who is a great person. I hear they have a wonderful relationship. I think they have two kids now. Um, you know, so for a little while, it's like, oh, Jason Sudeikis, he's such a jerk. Um, but, like, also in reality, he seems like a wonderful person. Um, a few people that I know that have worked on SNL say that he's actually a really amazing person. Um, he's very funny. And so I kind of got over my crush, and I will let them, um, you know, live their lives happily forever. But if things go south with Sudeikis, I mean, I'm still then, around. then you're, you're in here. the dugout, right? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, all I'm right, here. cool. I just think that's awesome. I love, I mean, you know, talk about a detail of a person's life. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm very thorough with my research, I even so it. even so much as, as this. Um, have you seen her in 1984? No. Okay. She, well, there's... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, she was just on... I forgot about that. Yeah, the yeah. For, for those that are listening that aren't in New York, there is a play version of the George Orwell book, 1984. And she's in it, and she plays the female lead. I can't get a ticket to save my life. <laughs> I've read the book. I think it's a great story, and um, I hear it's like really, really—I don't want to say tough to sift through. It gets—it's got some torture scenes oh, that have had people fainting and yeah. leaving, and and all that. But um, you know, I wish I could report to you how good she is, and I'm sure she's great. I'm sure, she's great, but. <laughs> I can't because I can't get a ticket. It's always sold out. So I tell you, it's um, it's at the Hudson Theater, which was just remodeled, and they're like they're hitting it big. Between that and Sunday in the Park with George, they're they're doing they're doing really really well. Well, if I get a ticket, I'll definitely report back to you. I appreciate that. And I'm sure she's lovely. I'm oh, sure she's delightful. Oh oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I know she's kind of drab down too, but I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. with her. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you to give your social information, your social media information out, and then after that, if you're okay with it, we're going to do a theater speed round. Are you good with that? Sure. Okay, Okay. so go ahead and give everyone your social media information, please. So you can find me on Twitter at Asher, at Asher Novek, uh, N-O-V-E-K. Um, uh, you can check out the festival uh, speakupriseup.com uh, that twitter is at speakup underscore rise up mm -hmm. um, we have a facebook page for that I think it's speakup rise up festival not sure how facebook works um, or facebook.com slash speakup rise up festival I think that's correct that sounds right right mm -hmm. um, typically most people just go in and search so speak yeah. up rise up and it probably should pop up and Hopefully. go on there and like the page for sure and follow it yeah I have all the info on there about all the different shows. There's the events for everything. Uh, yeah, and then at the website itself, you can see the lineup, you can get tickets and all that. 
Very, very cool. Excellent. Okay, are you ready for the theater speed round? Yes. Okay. What's your favorite play? My favorite play uh, is, I think I'd say Les Mis. Okay. Well, I was going to ask your favorite musical. Oh. Well, that would be um, Les Mis. Is there a favorite straight play that you say, have? Uh, probably... Um, oh, was the the Pillow Man, the Martin McDonough play? A lot of people say yeah. that I've I've never seen it, but but that's a popular answer. It was a great. I saw it twice. Whenever, oh. whenever, whenever it was at, and, and yeah, I got to meet Jeff Goldblum too, which was awesome. <sighs> oh my God, he's very tall. He's I I would imagine, <laughs> or as they call him now on the Apartment.com commercials, Brad Bellflower. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's your favorite writer? Um, theater writer? Sure. Um, I think I'd say McDonough. I'd say, I think I'd say Martin McDonough. Or, or, um, yeah. Or Sam Shepard. Yeah. Aww. Either of them. Yeah. Aw, tear. Oh my gosh, I, I know. I can't, he's like one of those people, like, I, I can't believe that that actually is a reality. Yeah. I, you know, I have to keep reminding myself. He's yeah. one of those people I thought would live forever. Um, who's your favorite director? Ooh, theater director, I don't know. It could be movie know, director as well. Um, I think I'd say Kubrick. I think when it's all said and done, he, he probably had the most influence on me growing up. Dark. Yeah, I don't know what that says about me. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out in therapy. <laughs> or you can get up on a stage and talk about it. Or that's it. There you go. I just I just gave you your next show yeah. idea. <laughs> and then do you have a mentor? Ooh, um can I list a couple? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so uh Robbie Benson, um director, actor, voice of the beast. Um, has been a really close mentor of mine for the, the better half of about 10 years or so. Um, ice castles. Yeah. I love oh, ice, ice castles. <laughs> oh my God. Oh one my. of my favorite things about Robbie is everyone has a different favorite oh. thing about him. It just right here. Ice castle. Okay. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Um, I had to genuflect to Robbie Benson. Now. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, and, uh, I'd say uh, there, there's a, a, a guy who's also become a good friend of mine named Adam Wade in the storytelling world who um, was the first teacher I had. First, uh, I took a class in storytelling with Adam. And um, at more than one occasion, I've reached out to him on a personal level for advice and for not just about storytelling, but just in general. Um, and has always been very, very kind-hearted and, and open and supportive. Um, Yeah, I'd say, yeah. I'd Excellent. Say, I'd say them for sure. Excellent. Um, I think that that's so important, in my opinion, to be open and helpful. So many people close off and they yeah. get, you know, weird about their access. So it's, it's, really, it's really cool to hear that. Well, that was great. You were terrific. So very fun. Oh my yeah. God! Good. Yeah. I'm glad you this liked it. Thank you so much for being with us, Asher. Absolutely. Great Thanks for having me. Oh, it's 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 my pleasure, and your your confidence and your comfortableness, comfortableness, comfortable comfortable comfortableness in front of the microphone, really shows. You were you were just you were just so. I love it. I love this interview. Okay, so at the end of the show, I like to give shout outs to current productions worth a recommendation. On tonight's show, I'd like to recommend a show uh, out of Chicago that's in its last week. So I need to get this show up and going so people can hear my recommendation. It's Pride Films and Plays The Nance by Douglas Carter Bean. I love Douglas Carter Bean. He wrote The Little Dog Laughed. He's like such a, a funny, funny writer and so smart. Um, it is directed and costume designed by John Naska, who I interviewed on this show on episode 15, and stars Melissa Young as, as one of the actors, and she's episode three. I interviewed her as well. I have a lot of friends in the Chicago theater community. Uh, anyways, uh, The Nance is the story of a gay man named Chauncey Miles who plays a stock camp character, and it was a common character in, in these types of shows, of The Nance, which is kind of like this 
Nellie sort of like overly effeminate character in a vaudeville burlesque house in the year 1937. And the story interweaves burlesque numbers in and out of the narrative. The show features terrific performances by the entire cast. Vince Cracked as Chauncey Miles, he's great. Uh, Roy and Kent as a man with a complicated past, falls for Chauncey. And Patrick Rybercheck, who also has his own podcast, as the scene-stealing theater owner. Uh, they are highly complimented by three ladies in the cast who play the saucy yet compassionate and sympathetic strippers. Uh, those ladies are Melissa Young, Steph Vondell, who um, is about 19 years old. No, probably 21 or 22. And in makeup, she's like so mature in this big body stripper. Anyways, and uh, Britt Marie Syverston. Cy- that's that's a tough last name. Britt Marie Syverston. There you go. Sorry, Britt Marie. Um, and, and the show tells a story of social stigma and diminishment tempered with burlesque performances that not just entertain, but also move the story forward. Um, the set uses the theater in very inventive ways. It's a, it's a small stage in a small theater itself. The onstage band, they have a band up there, is terrific, and the costumes are definitely Broadway level, as are all of John's costumes. John Nazca is a great costume designer, and all I'm going to say to that is peacock bathrobe. There you go. Take that and go where you want with it in your mind. Um, the show, which has been Jeff recommended, has been extended to August 13th, which is at this point this coming Sunday, and it must close that day. It's playing at Pride Arts Center in Chicago. You can visit uh, pridefilmsandplays.com and click on tickets for um, to get tickets. And on some of the websites that I checked, it looks like they may have taken their posting down because there was an extension, but do yourself a favor and push through and get tickets. Just just a great show. Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung. The bows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. I'd like to thank my guest, the sensational Asher Novick. You can find this show at uh, facebook.com. Uh, your program is your ticket, and you can find all my future shows for that. So uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Program Ticket, and the website is, you guessed it, your program is your ticket.com. I'm on iTunes. Rate me. Write me a review. I'm a writer. I'm very, very okay with being rated and, and reviewed. It happens to me all the time. Um, folks, take a little time to see a show this week, and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There's a lot of theater gems out there. Until our next show, good night, theater people, and curtain. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.